This is a car show, but it's also more because cars connect us to every part of our lives. Families, careers, hobbies, and adventures we never expected. So you should have a car you love. And we're here to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. 875, it is podcast 875. You realize this year is the 10th year anniversary of us doing this podcast? We started <laughs> in, I think it was like August-ish. Uh. Of 2014. It's never good to look back in retrospect. I well, think it I can mean, be. I, I think I it suppose. can be great. I just was looking back to the last live podcast that mm -hmm. I was on, and I was wearing the same shirt. Good news, hey. I've done laundry since then. <laughs> well, the good news is <laughs> you actually still like Porsches, and no one's I, shocked. I do. So that's happening as well. Hi, guys. I like Maseratis. Uh, that's like that's Maseratis. very true. If you haven't seen all of our Maserati content, there is actually most of the Maserati stuff is out now, but there is uh, one more coming, and that is the MC20 test drive. We're riding the car together. That's coming this Sunday. Mm -hmm. But you've probably seen our Be Italian Maserati Fiat 124 piece on the main channel. It's not, not a, a comparison. Not a comparison. Not a comparison. Uh, and then we also did uh, the Gracali and the GT on test drive as well. Of course, test drives are continuing to be right here on this channel every Sunday. We do some POVs. It just depends on the car and, and what we have for schedule. Those are continuing weekly. And then our main channel is right now about every three weeks. We got a big piece. Something like that. We, we're in this... Depends guys, on car availability. Yes. You guys have to also know that this quarter of the year, the first quarter of the year, is the hardest quarter for us to get anything done for the main channel. Yeah, it is. Because everything dries up as far as car availability, like after Thanksgiving... And then we get dumped on for snow, so we can't shoot anything here. So getting something in enough time to really feed this part of the year is hard. I wish I could tell you guys all of the stuff we have going on for the second half of the year that we are so excited about, but it's get, we're getting there. Uh, lots of good questions. Before we get into those, hi, guys. Thank you, as always, for joining us on a live podcast. We should do a couple of announcements. We should. Because you and I now, um, <clears throat> we have that thing called Hooked on Driving. We where do. We're trying to get you guys on track, we and do. we hope you'll join us. There are three big events, three big two-day events coming up from Hooked on Driving. We want to really promote any time any one of our franchisees or the home office in NorCal is doing a two-day event. If you're in Southern California, two days at Willow Springs, the 2nd and 3rd of March. That is this coming weekend. There probably is still space available. Our franchisee, David, down there in the Southwest region has got that event going on. Two full days at Willow. I've heard, I've heard, I can't confirm, it's been repaved, which it needed to be yes. repaved. The ring's getting repaved. Mm -hmm. That's all new. Lots of stuff's getting <laughs> repaved. Right, yeah. uh -huh. There's also Virginia International Raceway VIR. That is the VIR season opener, March 7th and 8th, 2024. So thanks to our franchisees there. They are actually a uh, collaboration, the North and the South well, I guess of, of the, Mike and Mona, who east. do the Northeast, and Steve, who does the Southeast, Correct. are all working together on VIR. It's going to be a very cool that couple will, of days. Uh, yeah, that will be a great event. And then there's Laguna Seca coming up March 9th and 10th. That is a two day event with 103 decibel sound limit, mm -hmm. and including garage rentals. And Todd and I are coming out for the event. Yeah, we're, coming we're excited. It's going to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. It'll be our first actual attendance at an event as mm -hmm. new owners, which is very exciting. We want to see everybody, see how it runs. So if you're in the area, if you're local, we'd love to see you come out. But we are going to do this and continue announcing various events around the country mm -hmm. as we get to things. We've got some travel to do on the East Coast and go out and see our friends out there, our yep. franchisees. Absolutely. But it's be great. we need to get around the country and go to various events. So we'll keep you posted via the podcast, of course, social media as well. But before, right before we jump into our today's mm -hmm. questions, good news, everyone. Oh, no. 
the McLaren Artura Spider has been announced. We just got the press mm, release. Yep, yep. It is being revealed as McLaren's first ever high-performance hybrid convertible, adding a thrilling new dimension to the Artura and McLaren supercar range. Which basically, what you guys need to understand by Paul sharing this <laughs> is he's already on the phone with our McLaren contact trying to figure out when we can get one. <laughs> yeah. That's really where, can, what that means. That's why, that's why he's I announcing it, because he really is completely call. distracted at this point. They've bumped the power 20 okay. brake horsepower, so it is now making 690 brake horsepower. But for everyone who owns the coupe, McLaren will provide free of charge that 20 horsepower mm. bump to your coupe. So it will, it will match the new Spider, which is a one-piece retractable panel and it actually looks really good. I'm not a convertible guy very much, but it looks really good. A good hardtop convertible so. is awesome. And basically, it's all just software anyway, right? So we're going to have that happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you should jump into questions. Thank well, you guys for posting up. We've got some on social media, which we need to already, get to. Yep. And then I say, ask away all your car questions. James Carty on X actually asked, Elantra N or GR86, which... Then he gave the rest of the discussion, and it becomes really obvious. He said, this is just about which one is more fun. He doesn't need a car with utility. He can use his fiance's Corolla. If you're just buying for fun, GR86. I mean, I love the Elantra mm -hmm. in, but get mm -hmm. rear-wheel drive, get lighter. That, just go with that. that. That's the easy answer there. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. We're celebrating the new year with new products from our friends at Griot's Garage. Wintertime means you might be stuck inside, but you can still clean your car with the ceramic rinseless wash. It lifts dirt, grime, and contaminants and leaves behind a ceramic shield that enhances water beating and self-cleaning ability. But if you're getting out the hose, Griot's now offers car wash pods. Just like the pods you use for a clothes washer, drop one of these in your wash bucket for the perfect amount of soap. These car wash pods even work with foaming sprayers and foam cannons too. Or if your winter project has faded trim, and many of them do, try the Satin Finish Ceramic Trim Restorer that renews those old trim pieces and is even good for tires. Plus, there's plastic all-in-one to remove fine scratches and swirl marks and restore dull plastic surfaces. Just remember, all Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code DRIVER10 for 10% off everything on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Bella B, 1029 on Instagram says, maybe a topic Tuesday, but what are cars that we find ourselves suggesting older generations of, like mm, 911s mm. or M3s or Minis? Yes is the answer to all of those. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a good list. Just a good start. Uh, man, yeah. I really do feel like, especially now that we're observing HOD track days and HOD attendees, those cars are becoming more and more valuable to keep running, but those are going to be turned into track cars or the dual purpose kind of thing. But everybody wants a manual transmission. Although I have been seeing news articles, I can't pinpoint a particular article right now, but I've been seeing news about manual transmissions and how customers are continuing to buy manuals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is making OEMs wake up and say, okay, clearly this hashtag save the manuals thing kind of worked and you guys aren't done buying manuals. So we'll keep doing a few things. And I'd like to see all of our manufacturers continue to investigate because it does add such a dimension. I mean, the Artura Spider is not, which is kind of a bummer. <laughs> Nor will it be? <laughs> but if it were, 
McLaren, <laughs> I bet you your sales would go up. That's very funny. I mean, this is the thing, and I'm going to keep beating on it. We've said it forever. The only way manufacturers keep making us these kind of cars is we have to buy them new. We all, and I'm pointing the finger at myself, we all like to rage online about make more manuals, but we're only buying used cars. If nobody's buying a new manual, then the manufacturers can't see the benefit of those development dollars. I'm glad that it's happening at least a little bit. That's something we have to keep doing. Uh, somebody's asking about this fellowship in the Nürburgring shirt. I love it. <laughs> and shout out to the fan who actually made it for me and handed it to me at a meetup uh, in the East Coast. It was awesome. I was totally unexpected. I do love it. I wear it every now and then. It's just a, a blending of the parts of my life, and it makes me laugh. And unfortunately, it's not one that we sell. If that fan would like to send us the art with the approval to make it, we will make more. But I'm not going to make that assumption until that happens. I was just traveling after some business travel that you and I had. We were doing some winter driving in GR Corollas. I stopped to celebrate my dad's birthday. He's currently watching. I love him very much. So happy birthday, dad. I got to, on the same trip, drive my brother-in-law's Saab 95. Oh, this is his new one. The wagon. Oh, no. Yeah, the, 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 the Saab collection Turbo. continues. Yes. Goodness. Mm -hmm. And he let me drive it. He's mm -hmm. put brand new tires on it, which is fantastic. Good. And it's actually really well, well sorted. It turned 122,000 miles. This is the one he bought in Anchorage from an owner mm -hmm. up there. Had it shipped down the coast and took delivery not too long ago. He is thrilled. And it's just, he, he let me kind of get into it. And, <laughs> and so we did. And I don't know why everyone doesn't love wagons. It's just a cool wagon. So wagons I, are cool. It, I, and I do like it a lot. He's found a for him. really, really clean one in it red. Nice. It is the right yes. spec. As much as we make fun of your brother-in-law for his sob love, it is <laughs> we, the we right car. He did find something very cool. Did you outdrive him in it, though? Did you drive it to the point where he was like, well, I haven't driven it like that yet? I'm not sure. He didn't mention okay. anything. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but probably, got, yeah. <laughs> got to get outside on Instagram asks, how do you know when it's time to let go of your beloved sports car that doesn't get driven enough? Mm. And Daniel, my brother-in-law, we're talking about this very thing on the recent drive, actually today, and talking about, well, what about my nephew's Saab 9.5? Okay. Sorry, 9.3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Daniel says the 9.3. I was going to say, I thought it was the other way around. Yeah, yeah. It is the yeah. other way around. I'm not quite used to the Saab nomenclature. Still <laughs> the working on my The five is bigger Saab. than the three. The five is the yeah. older one. Your brother yeah. just so got the, the nine, brother-in-law just got nine, the three, yeah. 1997 car. In, insane, yes. But now he doesn't want to let go of any of them. And I said, you don't have to, what you and I've talked about, you don't have to dislike that car to get rid of it. Maybe something comes back in your life at some point, but you don't have to really be done with it to get rid of it. So got to get outside. I know that you're recognizing it's not getting driven enough. And that's a bummer. Changes happen in our lives. Mm -hmm. Time has to be reallocated to new activities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We totally get that. However, if it's not being driven and you don't foresee a point where your current activities will end to go back to driving your sports car, it's okay to sell it. Maybe something mm -hmm. will come back mm -hmm. in your life. But most of all, look at it as an opportunity to bring something new into your life when you are ready again. Do you see Beaker's Garage? Only you can answer this question. The 981 Cayman with sports seats. What's the best way to improve seat comfort for a cross-country trip? I don't mm. feel like you've had issues, but what are your thoughts? I actually haven't. We've done uh, quite a few road trips. I've taken it on our Utah adventure quite a lot, and I've always been great. They're the base seats. They're the sports seats, but they're the base for the GTS. I suppose a small pillow in your lumbar, that's the first thing that mm -hmm. goes. It's not lateral support. It's always lumbar in your mid to lower back. So just take a small pillow and jam it down in there. But another good thing is to do a rolled up t-shirt or if, if you've got a hoodie, you can take your hoodie off and jam it down back there and uh, it definitely eases the loins. So is this traveling. why billionaires wear hoodies? 
they're having lumbar issues in their really high-end car with the crazy well, doors, and so they take the hoodie off and they fix the lumbar? Maybe, but they can afford to just have the seats redone. They can just or yeah, new seats. get rid of the car and get a car it, with get better something seats. something with different seats. I totally hmm. agree with that. That's an excellent good point. <laughs> Jorge asks, if we can please pronounce... Porsche, as if it were Versace. Versace, that was Versace. what. That's what Nick did on the video we released today when we did Price of Fun. <laughs> Nick just walked around and did these all these little snippets, and that Fantastic. was my favorite one by far. I had to post the day because we were talking about questions and us making up answers. And we were making jokes about that. Uh, Minty has said, "Hey, howdy guys, he- hello back." He says, "Recently got a job as a salesman for Chevy. Wondering what we think about the Chevy lineup. If anything stands out to us." I think the Blazer in RS trim is better than we expected it to be. Mm-hmm. The Camaro, it's too bad it's going away. Mm-hmm. The Corvette is great across the board, full stop. Doesn't matter what Rock trim solid. you get. They need and a T. They need a lightweight T yes, version that would be Stingray nice. T. That would be nice. Uh, and the, um, you know what? Nobody out Suburban's the Suburban. That's, That's a good just point. The, just Suburban. Suburban. And honestly, I think the two real things that are the jewels in the crown of Chevrolet across the board are the Vet and the Suburban. They just, they kill both those areas. Right. Just wipe away all the other brands and it's the <laughs> Suburban company and the Vet company. I actually saw my first Fisker Ocean on the road driving back from the airport today, but I thought it was a Buick. I was coming up yes, on it. Yes, that I makes thought, sense. Is that a Buick Fisker mm-hmm. Ocean? There's one. It was clearly a test drive, and I was I, I kept my speed around a corner. I was driving the Expedition, by the way. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. Kept my speed, and that thing needs momentum, but he saw me coming and just Here's put the it thing. down. I was like, great. Thank you for, you know. Yeah, having power. I, I've got to keep my momentum. Nobody expects the fact that you and that Expedition are going to be that good around corners. In fact, here's a related question. Club Racer, thank you, man. He says, can we weigh in our feelings about the C8? We'll be sad to see it go. It's still around. It's actually around through a big road trip coming later this year. We'll be sad to see it go. It didn't place well in the price of fun piece. He doesn't feel like we recommend it much. What is the use case for it? There's been a lot of really good questions about the C8 uh, in relation to our price of fun piece. Because mm-hmm. I want to come back to the price of fun video, which is on our main channel right now. It's it, literally, it's the $30,000 GR86 to the $300,000 McLaren Artura. It's five cars in there. And I want to also reiterate... Those five cars are not the definitive five most fun cars. They were five cars representing price points. You could do that entire piece with five different cars. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the C8 didn't do great there because that was a piece focused on driving involvement and fun. And many people in the comments have pointed out that the C8 is probably the most versatile car there. And I think that can be argued. Versatile. Along with, with and I, yes. honestly, the Carrera T even isn't even the 911 you'd have for the most versatile. You'd have other 911s. Yeah, true. The C8 is is approachable. It is financially somewhat attainable, and it is shocking. Watch our 2,000 mile piece with the C8 and the Lotus Elise. This is a car that anytime either one of us drove the C8, we were just like, ah, oh, this is so <laughs> great. It's a great place yeah. to be. Uh, honestly, if you have a C8. And we met some people like this in Mount Rushmore. If you have a C8 and you're not taking it on road trips, you have missed one of the best things about that car. I feel like everybody that buys a C8 should put thousands of miles a year on it just going new places. You can daily it, absolutely. You can take it to a track. It, 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 is unbe- it may be the most versatile near supercar made. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would take it and never think twice about it compared to a lot of other supercars. But... That is just designed to be the perfect cross-country road trip. If you are in Nebraska, which we've done, 
doing a hundred for the next two hours. Yeah. That's or you wind up on million dollar highway in Colorado in a C eight, you're very happy in both equations. That's hard. That's really hard. You know, every time journalists ask us, other people, friends, they always say, so you've got a C eight. What do you think of that car? Mm -hmm. And it always seems like a loaded question, but there's, we can have full confidence in going in and just saying, it's fantastic. It's great to drive. No, it's not the most hardcore dialed sports car you'll ever get in. But on the other hand, you can be very comfortable on the road trips that we've done and prove that. It's such a versatile car. You're right. Oliver C. says where he is, a slightly used Integra manual is the same price as the equivalent Civic SI. For the same money as the Integra, the obvious choice. You know what we found and been told, and that is if Civic SIs aren't available because they are the kind of the hot choice, the Integra might be available for the same price or just might be available to buy. And that does make it compelling. It is good, although I do like the seats in the Civic Si better. I think I do prefer the Honda styling, but the Integra is really solid. We got a question here. Adam's asking about the new Prius. Would it get as much attention if it weren't called a Prius, meaning a different car to contrast from prior marketing? Here's the thing. I think if it were a completely different car that did the same thing with a different badge, mm -hmm. I think it actually might sell a little better because it wouldn't carry the baggage. The problem the Prius is having now, and, and mm. even your question acknowledges mm. it, is we're trying to get over the baggage that car has. But it's just a good looking car that works. It's not the nicest interior, it's not the most comfortable seats, but it gets great gas mileage and it looks good and it's not that expensive. That car is a victory. I think the Prius badge makes, in some cases, it get more press than it would otherwise, but I think sales-wise, there are people that would that will never consider or buy that car because it says Prius on it, and mm -hmm. that's too bad. Jorge Porto says, here's to the brotherhood of the Jorge's. All his <laughs> friends automatically assume it's him. Force multiplier, all of our friends who are named Jorge. Jorge, thank you guys for being with us. Jorge Porto, we met him in L.A. Yep. Uh, back in November for yep. just prior to the L.A. Auto Show. It was really cool to meet him and uh, hopefully see him at uh, various events coming up as well. Got a question from Shadow Sniper 9513 says, hey, guys, I work at a BMW dealership as a product specialist. What do we think about the new X2? I think it's certainly evolutionary, but that is uh, that is a crutch. That is a, a, a way out <laughs> of saying the BMW Easy. styling theme. I think they're taking a hard look at, but they're trying to certainly apply it to every shape and size of every vehicle they make. Mm. And it's not always successful. There are some surfaces of this that I do feel like it's successful, and that is because SUVs that are boxy and square just kind of seem more expensive and luxurious. That has now been the theme of the new Kias and Hyundais that we're seeing, more squared off kinds of shapes. I do appreciate what's going on, and that has always been sort of the Range Rover look, and that has said more expensive. Mm. It's just a a box. I mean, it's a Rolls-Royce Cullinan. The Cullinan looks a little too soft, so maybe the Cullinan will crispen things up a little bit now, you know, since they're owned by BMW anyway, so mm. maybe we'll get uh, a new look out of them. But I am curious to, to discover that the X2 is the only SUV of BMW's SUVs globally that is not built at the Southern uh, South Carolina factory. Mm -hmm. It is actually built in Germany, but every other BMW SUV that you see on the planet comes from South Carolina, which is amazing. So yeah, it's yeah. built in, uh, I believe it's Munich at, at one of the Munich factories right there. But I mean, I mean, it's fine. I think it's it's certainly evolutionary and it's they're, they're really leaning into that styling element. And if they continue to do so, they will really make it theirs. But I don't feel like it instantly screams BMW. It says luxurious, but mm, I don't know that it just says, that's a B, I guess a BMW. 
the teeth. Anyway, I'm curious to drive it for sure. Dan is saying he test drove a Fiesta ST finally over the weekend. Such a fun little car. He has a daily family car, which is a new Ford Ranger. He's debating whether to buy the Fiesta ST for a fun car or keep saving for the Elise or Cayman. My guess is that the Fiesta ST is probably costing you a quarter what an Elise or Cayman is. Mm. So my question for you is, of course, it's us, so we're saying buy all the cars, but could you have a Fiesta ST and keep saving for the Elise and Cayman? It's not mm-hmm. like the Fiesta is even half what a Elise or Cayman are. So I'm thinking, I mean, why not get a Fiesta ST now? It's probably 10 grand on the high side. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? And mm-hmm, Caymans are mm-hmm. 30 to thirty to 40, depending upon which one you want. And the leases are every bit of 40 right now. That's a very different car. The mid-engine cars are worth saving for, worth stretching for. But I wonder, if you bought a Fiesta ST now and kept it for five years, what's it going to lose? A couple mm. grand? Mm. I mean, you're probably going to get most of what you buy it for back out of it because those cars have kind of bottomed out. So I think that is a safe place to buy, drive, keep your money in, and then jump later. Minty's got a question that I'm mulling over. Minty, thanks for the question. We have talked about the less than fun time that we had at the dealership when we bought the GR86. The question is, is there anything that we feel a dealership can do to make the experience better for the consumer? Mm. As I was walking Mm. through that dealership, I saw a plethora of lounges. There were Various lounges scattered throughout the dealership because it's, of course, huge, but different themes, different lounges with different <laughs> chairs. They had an espresso bar. There were baristas yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. inside the dealership. So what does that tell you? You're a captive audience there, and they know you're going to be stuck there. It's about valuing us, our, our, the customer, mm-hmm. our time. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't want you to have a comfortable place to sit or be able to get, grab a snack or a coffee, mm-hmm. but it just seems like... A Vegas lounge. I mean, what's next? There's going to be a, a stage show and, you know, you're going to just never leave. No clocks on the walls. Coming and, up on the main stage. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's All the moving sidewalks go toward the coffee bar. Seriously. Yeah. So it's about valuing the customer's time and making it so efficient to get the customer back out the door. Whether they're buying a car, whether they're in the service. I know sometimes waiting is inevitable, but mm-hmm. still making things to yeah. value time. So it's, you know, we're putting it back in your hands and think they, they really respected my time. I, I want to go back for whatever the, the needs That's are. That's a great point because I want I want to clarify that we worked with Mark Miller Toyota here in Salt Lake. And honestly, they were one of the best dealers to work with I've ever worked they with. They were superb. So yes. I don't, I don't want to give the impression we had a bad dealer experience. No, 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 the no. I was just noticing was, the, no, no, no. The, the problem was yeah, in spite of kind of being fast tracked and treated well, we were still there half the day. Mm-hmm. And that comes back to your point. You would think in the modern world, aren't there things that we can do digitally online or preload or whatever to just speed the process? Because I've been at <laughs> like dealers. when you rent a car? Yes. Just show me the license. Booping. Here's the keys. But I, Thanks but I, for renting. But I'm dealers with others and with actually my own family at one point where the kids have timed out. You don't want to be anywhere when the kids time out. I don't care where That's it true. is. So That's just true. how fast can we move? I mean, we don't need a ball pit in the dealership. We don't need it. <laughs> Maybe for the adults, actually. You just, you're just you so, so frazzled. You just I'm going to get the ball in. pit. Just, just give me a minute. Why can't I'll it be like a bar? Resurface out of the I mean, ball if pit. We're going to sit at a dealership. Grady's saying Z4 manual or super manual if you're indifferent to the top down experience. Hmm. If you don't need top down, I say supra. I think so. I think it's, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's the more interesting looking car on its own. 
I but like if them. you need top down, I do think that the the I thank God that the Z4 has gotten the manual now because I, I couldn't believe they hadn't done it already. So I think it's good that it's going to have it. Sonny asks about the Subaru rumor. They're going to reveal a new Outback generation at the New York Auto Show next month. Do we think they might not be a new generation, be a new generation legacy since it's mm. not in Japan and doesn't sell well here? Well, it'll. I feel like it's just going to be another refresh at this point. I don't know. I have not dug into the Subaru press release quite yet, but it's uh, it's going to take a lot for Subaru to make a big splash and wow everybody with the new something that isn't just. Well, it's all wheel drive. It can go off road. It can carry your stuff, and it's well priced and turbocharged, and it's got a good screen. So. Beyond that, what's really compelling? We're buying styling. That's what we're buying, right? G. Marks is saying uh, he loves the channel. Thank you so much. He's thinking about buying a manual BRZ as a second fun car. Now that they've updated it with the 2.4 liter motor, the current engine, should he only get that and not one of the outdated models with the 2 liter? G. Marks, you're going to have to ask yourself what you're expecting from power. If you are a person who you've never really had a powerful car, the first generation, you can get them affordably. They drive wonderfully. I think you would thoroughly enjoy it. I would definitely advise the tune. It's a very simple tune that kind of kills the torque dip, which is the real thing that makes you feel like that car is underpowered. I did the tune. Chance did the tune. We both had our first generations. It helps a lot. If you're not a person who is coming from a muscle car, something with 400 plus horsepower, you're going to like the first gen just, just fine. If you're a person where power equals fun to you, the first generation is probably only going to disappoint you, and then you're going to start tuning it. And almost across the board, the people that tune the first gen for more power eventually broke the motor. And at that point, get the second gen. Did we talk about the Z4 manual yet? Yes. We did, did. from Brad. That's fantastic. Yeah, I saw, well, I I'm saw excited the, about it. I mean, Grady's talking about, about that or the Super. I don't know if, if Brad's question I, adds I suppose. to that. I was, I, yeah, I was seeing uh, any excitement for that Z4 manual. In Justin is yeah. applauding me and also shaking his head at me because he is a fellow Elise owner and he saw me post the thing of taking it through the touchless car wash. By the way... I was, that was brave <laughs> of you, by the way. Stupid, brave. There's an equivalency there. Anyway, I've owned the car for seven years and I've taken it through a touchless car wash twice total because the first time was so traumatic and was just done as a test <laughs> right after I got the car and I had the soft top on. This time I had the hard top on and we'd taken it actually through a lot of snow Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to get it all blasted because of the snow and salt that had been on it, a little more so than I could do with my own uh, my own pressure washer. So that's why I, I took the risk. I also thought, oh, let's see how bad the uh, hardtop leaks. Guess what? Just as bad. Uh, it's not something I do regularly. I haven't seen any gremlins since then. Uh, I was cautious, and it's a kind of a one-time thing for the laugh. And, of course, then I post on Instagram. I get to look like an idiot, which is fun. That happened. More HOD questions. Ryan Stamp is asking about the HOD deal. Who had more anxiety between the two of us during the purchasing process? <laughs> or did we take turns? We took turns. We I took feel turns. like when you were uh, on edge, mm -hmm. then I had to, to come to the rescue. And when I was just fed up with things, it was quite a learning experience. That was yeah. 10 months of negotiations yeah. and investigations. And I, it's something that neither you or I have done uh, uh, in our past. <laughs> you mean we just don't go around buying companies? What no, are you saying? <laughs> it was actually the, the due diligence uh -huh. period was really revealing mm -hmm. and it changed perceptions about what we were getting and what we were buying. And, and of course, we, we always had ideas up front, but then as you find out things and what's possible and then, you know, to, to grow the brand and uh, certainly grow the, the availability of track days, it, it, uh, it just informed us a lot. So there, there was constant pivoting and there was certainly a lot of stress, but I'm 
so thrilled that we're doing this. And thank you guys for your support of HOD. We definitely want to grow. We definitely want to get more people on track. And what a great venue to do it. It's it's a yeah. business that runs. Yeah. And uh, we've got so great pre- people and great franchisees already mm-hmm. in place for that. So. Yeah, it's really good. In fact, Jorge Fantastic. is asking us as a follow-up. He said he's got two young girls interested in having advanced driver education for them as they approach driving age beyond what he can do. He's seen that in Europe. There's not many opportunities here. There's a few. I think, if I'm not wrong, I think Tire Rack does one on the East Coast at their thing. I think they partner with somebody. At their and track? Do. I think so. That's I think they South do. South Bend, Indiana. I know that yeah. our local track, UMC, here used to do one. In fact, I need to look into it again because my son's about a year from needing that. But he's asking is if this is a hooked-on driving opportunity. And my short answer is yes. I think it would yeah. be great to have a standardized, hooked-on driving, sponsored, you're a young driver, gets you driving at the limits thing. Now, setting that up is a whole different animal, but it's definitely one of those things we've talked about for sure. Our friend Derek Miller. Derek, hello. He had a salesman text him today with a fully customizable allocation for a car that he wasn't shopping for. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, yeah, I got it. Why is it so hard to say no when he wasn't even shopping for it? Because salespeople know this, and they go back through their Rolodex and think, oh, I haven't talked to this person in a long time. Let me just give them a call. And if you're a great customer, they'll, you know, you'll be kind of towards the top and say, wonder if they're interested. There's two things going on here, Derek. First off, the reason it's hard to say no is because you get to hear that thing, especially if you've ever bought a used car, you you get to go like, wait, 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 exactly like I want it. You're thinking of me? Like like that one? Exactly. (laughs) I've never thought about a Camry, but if I could make my Camry, then maybe, and I'm not taking a slide at the camera, it's just a car I'd never buy. That's what part of it. The other thing is, if you get up into the higher levels of cars, Porsche is known for this, Ferrari is known for this, the salespeople go back through their Rolodex and they find people they know have the liquidity or or have shown with regular purchases, either way, that they will buy a car. The salesman is literally thinking about selling it the second time and they will call the person the first time <laughs> crazy and guide them on how to spec it Ferrari because does this to Porsche option your car too. well Porsche, Porsche does yeah, it too from new like, so that then when that person sells it in six months or a year or sometimes they encourage them to do that as a money-making way yeah then they can get a car back they can sell easier it's they're thinking common. of customer number two. They're not they're, you. That the, they're that thinking first, of their commission on the backside. They're thinking That's of the second doing. customer. Mm-hmm. The person that gave us the GT2 RS when we drove it against the Porsche 959 for that comparison film, mm-hmm. he told us that he was called by Porsche of Salt Lake City. Said, "Hey, this other owner dropped out. I know you've made noises about this car." what do you think? And suddenly he found himself on the hook for a $350,000 car. (laughs) But then he did sell it. And I think he even made money in there even more expensive now. So, you know, everybody made money in the deal, but it's because it's GT2 RS. Elliot Manning is following up on the Lotus extravaganza in the, in the car wash. Yes. I don't know why people thought that was a brush wash. It was just a, the brushes would have been like, Oh yes, seriously. I would have been like fighting him all Slapping you in the face. No, so it was touchless, but he said he's assuming the high pressure water was the problem. You're exactly right, Elliot. In fact, the way I normally watch that car, watch our 2000 mile road trip piece because I walk you through it. Even using my own pressure washer, I do not aim it right at the seam of the roof and the top of the window because I know the water's going to go through. I mean, you can spray around it, but don't fire at it. Of course, that thing's indiscriminate. So it ends up with water on the inside. 
Doug, Joseph, thank you for jumping on. Thank you for uh, for your questions. Much appreciated. I'm jumping back to Instagram from a friend, Akam in Germany, who was asking, why is the same engine in the Fiat 500 a Bart, a Hoot, the little dragon, Todd, you called it that, mm-hmm. and celebrated for its sound? While in the not much heavier 124, he had the, that impression that in our recent Italian review, it did not receive a lot of love. Mm. This does nothing better than a Miata. Akam personally prefers mid-range turbo punch in daily driving, but that 124 is used 5,000 euro more than the ND Miata, which is not justified. It's a slightly different engine, Occam, but you're right. Ultimately, it comes down to how does it make power and how does it make me feel mm-hmm. when I'm driving the car? I feel like it's the exhaust. That I really do. Sound is such mm-hmm. a sales thing and will always continue to be but sound that's available now and the way the car was originally conceived, because you could also argue, well, you can add an exhaust to any car and make it sound differently. Yes, but now you're suddenly doing R&D work to develop your own sound. sound. You're Mm -hmm. spending money and what if it's not quite right? Well, they tuned it specifically just like that to give it a certain personality and that sells or, you know, doesn't sell, you know, it doesn't appeal to some customers, but I think sound is, is the key. Same engine, but they can, tune it slightly differently, get a few more horsepower, and it sounds different, it's a different car, right? It does seem like it. And, you know, when we first drove that car, you actually liked the 124 for the same thing he's talking about, that mid-range power. But as I said in our 124 uh, MC20 piece, the best part of that car are the Miata bones. I think it's definitely the case. The Damon KB on Instagram says, "In is Infinity the best used car brand? <laughs> I have never heard that. Now, there is just so much that's better at the same price point but unless you get luxury for the same price as Nissan or even cheaper than the comparable Honda and Toyota products, not to mention Lexus, Acura, and the Germans, I mean, ultimately, you have to decide what is your priority, and it is a descending order. Is it value first, and you got something that feels luxurious, then it is it reliability, then is it the company behind that nameplate, and then in descending order, all the fun things that we want out of a car. I think that's where certainly Infinity could shine. I do like Acura and certainly Lexus is up there, but personally, I'm willing to move more towards the Euro cars that have the fun driving kind of built in. I mean, I, I gravitate towards that that direction because I'm willing to put up with some of the, all right, it needs this, it needs this, the maintenance, the fixes, the... <laughs> You're but a Maserati all... owner. I understand. <laughs> I've been a Maserati owner, okay? That so resets everything. <laughs> uh, Philip is saying, in a money-no-object situation, would we rather take our car to a dealership or an independent mechanic for any and all maintenance? Now, Philip, this is a. am kind of ducking this question by saying this. Where is the place where I feel like I'm going to get the most personal service from the guy that's actually going to do the work? If I were going to a dealer and that dealer had a front-facing person who was like the tech for that car, and I could meet that person, and I felt confident with them that, oh, yeah, I know these cars and that kind of thing. I have no problem going to the dealer, and I'll pay dealer prices for that guy. If I'm going to an independent mechanic, he specializes in that car, and I get that same feeling from him. I get to meet him, shake his hand, and he gets to say, hey, I'm going to work on this car, and I know these things. I want to I want to be able to talk to the tech, and I feel like that's harder at a dealer than an independent mechanic. That's the thing that gives me confidence. Great questions in here. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Beaker's Garage recently had a Tycon base as a loaner from the dealer. He thought it was good for an EV, but missed his flat six after a day. What are our thoughts on the Tycon compared to other EVs? We've not specifically driven a Tycon. We have driven the Audi e-tron GT, which is pretty much going to be the same driving experience. 
there, there will be slight differences in how power is delivered and that kind of thing. But for the most part, you know, it's very solid, but we're still at the beginning of modern EVs and mm -hmm, what they will mm -hmm. do and what the capability will, will and can be. And I'm talking about weight and they still just feel so neutral to me. Just too, too neutral, mm. I suppose. Well, yeah, they've got a, they've got a, uh, a sterileness about them in general that I look forward to somebody actually creating something that doesn't feel that way, but it'll be fascinating yeah. to see what happens. T. Whalen saying, please tell us how to reduce the crippling road noise in the GR86 switching from the stock, stock PS4 tires to Pirelli's did absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, I hate to say this, but uh, that is a loud car and always will be. I mean, unless you want to take the time to put more sound deadening in it, the cost of the car and the weight savings are the reason it's loud. I submit to you the Fiesta ST, louder. I submit to you the Miata, louder. I submit to you the Lotus Elise, lots louder. Because I'm talking about cars that are now cheaper or, or lighter than the GR86. Also, you're down there low between the wheel wells. That brings noise into the cabin. That is a loud car. I remember when we drove it as a support vehicle. In fact, Derek helped us when we did our East Coast trip. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anytime I rode in that, it had more road noise than my 300ZX that I was taking on the same trip, which I thought was fascinating. And the 300ZX was actually a little bit softer ride too, but the 300ZX was a more expensive car designed to be more of a GT car than the GR86, which is designed to be more involving. Granted, with the Elise as my reference point, I'm the wrong guy to ask. <laughs> Why shouldn't Boondock St. Ryan sell his Fiesta ST and start importing and selling Japanese K cars into Canada to make it a better place? <laughs> you can't think of any good reasons. <laughs> we can't tell you, but we know somebody who can. And that mm. is our friend Adam at Sotomoto in Seattle. Look up Sotomoto.com and he can tell you because he actually imports a lot of cars into the U.S. from Canada, but he sells a lot of K cars that he brings over from Japan. And you can t ask him about the ins and outs and pitfalls or maybe no pitfalls of sourcing and buying. We do know that that AutoZam AZ1 windshield is about $3,000 to replace. So just know that going in, the sure. parts and the scarcity of such for all the, these rare, cool cars might be harder and you're going to have to let your customers know that. Or maybe not. Yeah. Adrian H. is saying, like the 86 or the Supra or even the Fiat from our recent video, what brands would we most like to see unite to make a new fun car? I think we said this before, but I have to circle back to it. Toyota has proven that they are doing collaborations. So where is Toyota and Porsche making a new MR2, a $40,000-ish mm. mm. MR2 to be sold as a Toyota underneath the Porsche offerings of the Boxster. It's going to need to be 200 horsepower. So it's probably what the detuned flat motor from Porsche with some Toyota stuff in it. I'm just thinking that would be a cool car. Got a question on Instagram from 614MX5 asking, when we talk about driver engagement for manual transmission cars, are we talking about the physical act of pressing in the clutch and shifting and then releasing the clutch? Or are we talking about listening and feeling for when to upshift and when to downshift for maximum fun? And if it's the latter, don't shiftable automatics or dual clutch transmissions provide that level of involvement? I do get some of that out of my dual clutch. I do when I drive it in manual mode. But I think it's the feeling of feeling where the cog is going to, well, first of all, the synchro, but then the cog <laughs> going into gear. And it's about control. I, I think that all of us would probably rather fly the airplane than be a passenger if we could. There's certainly a segment of us We're that all are very much feel that way. control freaks. Yeah, huh? like, I can just you would just... like to fly the plane. I think it's fun. I, I'm not it's a fun. control freak. I just I... think I'd like to do it. <laughs> 
But same thing with cars. We like to have that much more dominance over this machine. We want to be in control over the machine. And I think that's much of it. But understanding and feeling all the quirks about that car, because manual transmissions make each individual car different, mm, not mm. that series because the clutch mm -hmm. wear is different. The clutch uh, or the gearbox wear is different. Everything about that car wears differently. It's not, you know, it's cookie cutter new. It's all the same when they're new. But when different cars get driven differently, this one's kind of beat on, it's rattly and not great. This is the same exact car, same mileage. And it, how come it feels so good? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now that manual transmission makes that car have its own distinct personality. I think that's what we love discovering. That is good. The other thing I'm going to add to that is th think about this for a minute. Think about driving a really good PDK dual clutch, whatever. You can sit there and drive that car very hard mm -hmm. and never move your limbs. True. You can do this, yeah. but the, your your lower body won't move at all because all well, it's like moving is, you know, seriously, finger you don't have to move your limbs. Yeah. And with a manual transmission, your right hand's always moving for the stick, your left foot, and both your both your legs are moving. There is, yeah. a, I know it's a cliche, but there is a dance going on when you drive a manual that is not duplicated by any dual clutch. Totally. Because you can sit there much more still. Now, if you're on a racetrack, that's better because you are still in the car and focused on what you're doing. And so these other things that remove your balance in the car can be disruptive. But if I'm driving for fun, I want that dance. It's it's enjoyable. It's not quite rider active, but almost. Because yeah, yeah. you're almost sliding around in your seat mm -hmm. when your limbs, I mean, your your weight's changing. You're right. When you're just driving an automatic or a dual clutch, you're you're locked down. You're not your body's mm -hmm. not moving. But when we're doing this with our limbs, you're right. It suddenly becomes rider active. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're excited to announce a new partnership with Battery Tender. If you park your car for any length of time, you need it to start. The last thing you want is to hear that labored whine of a dead battery. That's why you need a battery tender battery charger to properly maintain your battery in your vehicle, give it a long life, and quick starts every time. We're already customers. We use battery tender battery chargers on all our cars year-round, and especially through the snowy winter months here in Park City. Since 1965, Deltran Battery Tender has been the leader in battery chargers. Their BTP microprocessor technology and quick connect convenience automatically maintains the batteries in all of your vehicles. Lead acid, AGM, or lithium. Keep your batteries in top condition. Visit BatteryTender.com to find the right product for you, including battery chargers, jump starters, inverters, and more. Plus, as our listeners, you can use the code EVERYDAY to get 10% off your order at BatteryTender.com. Let's see. Kay and Meg's dad says, searching for next uh, manual fun car. Past experiences include an E46 sedan, cool car, 987.2 base Cayman, and a first-gen BRZ. He says he knows that Miata is always the answer. He's looking at an NC, which is the third-gen, along with a second-gen GR86, maybe even a WRX. But his question is, he's not even looking at front-wheel drive candidates. So is he overlooking mm. a whole fun segment of the market by not looking at front-wheel drive candidates? Mm. 
Uh, okay, first, KMEG's dad, you need to drive a couple of the front-wheel drive standouts. Go drive a Fiesta ST. You can find them for so cheap. Go drive one. Go drive a Mini Cooper, preferably the John Cooper works, but drive a Mini Cooper S with a manual. Drive a Civic Type R if you can, because I want you to understand how really great they are. Now, let me turn it the other way. I had a Mini Cooper for a year and loved driving it, but I realized while owning it that I just don't like front-wheel drive enough. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with it. Spot mm-hmm. was a great car. He was fantastic in the winter. And, and you know, I learned to use understeer in the snow to my benefit, which was also riotously funny. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The supercharger wine on that car was amazing. You talk about sound. That was great. But I just realized, you know, I just prefer the way a, a, a rear-wheel drive car gets unsettled and the way the weight moves around because of rear-wheel drive. So that's why I prefer it. But you need to drive those front-wheel drive standouts to get a sense of it. I don't think you're in the wrong for wanting rear-wheel drive prim- primarily. I think, based on the stuff you've owned, I think you're going to find the WRX to be a little bit muted for the fun you're hoping to have. I like the other stuff on your list. Great questions here. Joel T. on Facebook asks us both, when we come, when it comes to our own car progression, what is next? Hmm. Knows that we love the Elise for Todd and Cayman GTS for me. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we go up the... I mean, here's... Here's the debate. Look, the, there are things up the ladder of cost that would be great to have. But, uh, you know, money's a real thing, you know? Money's and, and a thing, and I have said before that your, your lineage of cars throughout your life doesn't have to be the next dollar amount to your hire. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be this ascending till finally we own Artura Spiders. And we're good with 700, <laughs> yeah, 690 yeah, yeah. brake horsepower, whatever. I'm not saying that we do. It makes it easier having access to the cars that we drive. I will say that because it, when, when we miss a car, suddenly mm-hmm. it comes back around where we get to drive an 86 again, or we You're get right. to revisit right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. simply by virtue of thinking another, another comparison to put it in or a, a new version of it or something like that. But when it comes to personal cars, you heard me making noise about selling that Cayman GTS, and I have backed off that because it's just... I know just, you have, yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. There's versions of the Cayman that are empirically better, but it's going to take more money to do it, and that's my personal problem. I can't quite get there yet. But the Corvette has done a lot to, to help uh, alleviate that itch, mm-hmm. but I still really love my Cayman GTS. I still look at it as a long-termer, but I would like to have a GT4 RS. But actually, I've really been... Jonesing for That's a, right. It's on your shirt. Mm-hmm. The yeah. shirt. Keep yeah. wearing this shirt, trying to like. Mm-hmm. You're just telling the universe <laughs> this the is message. a car you'd like. I got it. That's very good. Exactly, I mean, but look, I'd love to step up uh, having a mirror. That would be amazing. I'd love to have an Amira. I but I want but a GT3 I, manual. That's what I want. GT3 sure, manual. Okay. Just uh, new GT3. I'll tell you this right now. Nine two. Uh, for yeah. me, I think an Amira is the upper level car I'd ever own. I don't know mm-hmm. that I'd own a 200, I mean, let's say I could afford a two or $300,000, $400,000, million dollar car. I'm not sure I'd buy one because then I lose manual and you do get in a car. You have to, just because of what it is, you have to think about it more when you drive it. And one of the things I loved about that price of fun piece, besides all of the fun cars, even compared to the Lotus, the thing I liked about the GR86 was it was just like, I'm just going to get in this and drive it. I'm going to drive it as hard as I possibly want. I'm not going to worry about it because it was a $30,000 Toyota product. I would have a GR86 again tomorrow instantly. 
I'd have a Miata for the same reason. I don't fit. I'd have to, you know, mm-hmm. sit there like mm-hmm. this the whole time. But I mean, there is something really satisfying about that. And I, and I, you know, I may keep that elite if I can. I'll keep that Elise indefinitely because nothing comes back and really replaces that. But you and I are spoiled because we do get yeah. into so much stuff. Yeah. And then the show, this, this is such a weird thing that we do. The show encourages us to buy cars, the GR86, the C8, the crazy sedans, the crazy sports cars. It encourages us to do that because if we, if we hit the, the, the target right, we can actually have that make us money for a time period. And so it makes sense to pay to have those cars. But that's a weird way to live. I, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> Barbara Peterson says there's nothing better than the perfect shift based on sound and feel. Agreed. You're right. Agreed. There's a perfect lap out there, Barbara. There's a perfect shift too. Can you you see it? Can you envision the perfect shift? And you just (laughs) It's so great. Smile. It's so great. great. Yeah. Track Daily Crush from Matt. Piano black. CVTs or EVs. <laughs> well, that's a that's a quite a threesome. Uh, Piano black, CVTs or EVs. Track daily crush. Uh, you know what? I'm going to daily the EV. I'm not even okay. going to question that. I'll okay. Daily the EV. That's fine. Um, CVTs mm. are improving slowly. There's some CVTs mm. that are sort of like okay. Nee. Can can we tune a CVT for track use, and then I'll track the CVT so it's theoretically if it's tuned right, it's constant power. Constant power, and then we get to crush piano black. We need to crush piano black, but if we can put a lot of power, there's need needs to be some OEM that figures out how to put a lot of power through a CVT. Then I might consider <laughs> driving. We'll we'll see. Church Petrol says the first F1 race of the year is this weekend. You're right, Bahrain is coming up March second, twenty twenty four. Any predictions for the upcoming season? I think Red Bull's going to be dominant again. <laughs> Max is going to win. I That's think not even a prediction. It's just, just like a, yeah, moving on. Get used to Max mm-hmm. doing more winning. But I do predict some surprise from a back marker, a mid-pack to a back marker, kind of surprising with, mm-hmm. with some success, level of success. It might not be sustained for the whole season, but maybe for half the year, a third mm-hmm. of the year, okay. something like, wow, we never saw this coming. Combination of car and the driver is mm-hmm. really coming up. I'm, I'm hoping for a, a mid-pack to back marker doing well. Marco sending in a, a super chat. Thank you for that, man. He says uh, he drives a Mark 7.5 Golf R. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it worth upgrading to the new Mark 8? No, it is not. I, I'm sorry. It's just, I, I, no, it is I, not. Like, I like the Mark 8 Golf R. I do. The thing is, you step into, Volkswagen is starting to do things to not make the interior as nice and save themselves some money. And then they went with this now constantly changing touchscreen interface on the Golf R. Like on, on the GTI, you can get it without some of it. The Golf R, the only way it comes is with that very annoying, irritating interface that actually Volkswagen is kind of backing off on. I think that the 8.5 or the 9 is going to be worth the upgrade based on what they're learning with the 8. Okay. So a okay. 7.5 was a real high watermark for the interior interaction on those cars. I like the 8 because of what they've done with the cool diffs and that kind of stuff. That is cool, but you're talking about ten grand more, and I think what you're going to realize daily is the interface you like less, and since you're going to use that so much, that car's designed to be a daily. I don't think it's worth the jump. Some question I wanted to address in here. Oh, premiumness. 
Dawson Johannes said, at what price point do we stop feeling the premiumness of the dollars you're spending? Is there one? Yes, it's called a Tesla. As soon as you get in, you think, mm. huh, this doesn't feel premium for the dollars I spent. But that's because of the minimalist interior. But it's not because of the style. It's because of the materials that are used in construction. We've noticed that. They're getting better. They continue to improve. Absolutely. Every car manufacturer is. But I do think that Tesla set the example and modeled for other car manufacturers that we can just do a few straight lines and and really do things completely differently. But they forgot about all the build quality in all the switches and stuff that's in there, all the little tactile things. I think that was forgotten. And so not having a lot of things to touch makes it feel stark and cheap. And there's there's mm. nothing to interact with except the wheel. And even that's going away. So I... There, there's other examples. I feel like uh, Genesis is a great example of retaining the premium quality feel. That GV60 EV that we drove yeah. felt very premium. It was fantastic. And that was because there's a lot of little surprise and delight things, a lot of things that you could call unnecessary. But that makes it part of the experience. And you feel like, oh, I'm getting, getting my money's worth. The shift knob entertains me. It's the eye of Sauron and it. Looked at me. <laughs> a little <laughs> frightened now. Worried about that breaking later. Like breaks halfway. It's like looking, giving you side eye. It's all bad. But yeah. all the tactility, all the switches, everything in there continues that Genesis theme of beautiful. Mm -hmm. We like the fine tactility of things. And that's why I like watches so much because it's this delicate thing that's still robust and it was put together by humans and it was, it's such fine craftsmanship in such a small size on your wrist that you can take with you. So that's my thing. Uh, my son is sending me difficult questions. <clears throat> oh, is he? Track Daily Crush from my son, Lotus Elise, Jag E-Type, Nissan 300ZX. Track Daily Crush. You're on your own. Oh, this is going to hurt. This is going <laughs> to hurt, son. I'm own. telling you right now. Look, the track car obviously is the Lotus Elise. It is. I love the E-Type desperately. I would love to have one. It's not a daily the 300ZX is a daily, which means, I can't believe I'm saying this, the Elise gets tracked, the 300ZX gets dailied, and the E-Type gets crushed. That's a special occasion car. Wow. It's not a daily and it's not a track car. It's a it's a. But it's so, drive it it's now. the world's it's, most beautiful it's car. gorgeous. It's very fun to drive. It is one of those cars like the RX-7. When I drove it, I was glad to finish driving it and it didn't break. I loved driving it. I was thrilled to get out of it and nothing was broken. And that's not what you want for a daily. Chris Osterman, so good to see you too. I ran into him at the Denver airport. I, I looked over as I was on the moving sidewalks. If you've ever been through DIA, I was on the moving sidewalks and I saw Chris and just yelled his name. That's funny. Chris is going with us on the pilgrimage trip in June. So we're very much looking forward to that. That was really cool. Speaking of that, yeah, Fellowship of the Ring, folks. I, I want to mention a couple of things. Our pilgrimage trip is happening over Father's Day and it sold out within like 24 hours, which was amazing. Thank amazing. you guys. Yes. But because cool. of Hooked on Driving, we are going more than once this year. There is a trip that actually was, was kind of sold right around the time we bought the company of Hooked on Driving that is happening last couple of days of April, first couple of days of May. It's two days on each track. And you know, you know somebody... So even though technically registration on that trip has closed, it's going to be an amazing trip with a ton of good track time. If you'd like to go to the ring and spa then, late April, early May, 
write us an email, everydaydrivertv at gmail. Let us know you'd like to go. We can get you on the inside track. There's a couple of spaces left. We'd love to fill that trip too. So if you're still I mean, interested. It's kind of closed, but it's kind of it, still. It's officially right closed, on the, on but the you cusp. know people. So let you us know. know. That'd be people. very good. Yeah. You do know people. Let's see. Good questions. John, uh, okay, here's a quick quick question, difficult question, John. He doesn't understand what people mean when they say good steering feel, and he wants to learn. Okay, awesome. What is an accessible car, easy to find on Turo or popular, that exemplifies good steering feel? You need to find something. Okay, first off, there's a misunderstanding that a hydraulic steering rack always means good steering feel. That's not always the case. The 300ZX, I love driving it. The steering feels okay, but it's not amazing. You need to find... Early 2000s hydraulic steering from various companies. BMW is a great one. If you could find an E46 BMW, that's good steering feel. If you mm -hmm, can find mm -hmm. a early 2000s 911 or even a Cayman. Yeah, 987. Nine, the dot one. Dot one. The early yeah. Caymans and the 987 Boxster. The Cayman are R decent. is super. Yeah. The, now the it's Caymans, superb. I find very based on how hard you're driving them, the tires that are fitted. But every yeah, true. every early 2000s BMW, I've driven the E46s and even the 5 Series actually had really good steering feel. That early 2000s 911 or or Cayman Boxster, that works as well. The, the 997s are wonderful. That's late 2000s. Um, also, Miatas are good. Mm -hmm. yeah. Early Miatas. Now you got to go yeah. before they go away from hydraulic steering. A little bit tire dependent there as well. And then... I'm wondering. I mean, the sharper and finer you go, tires really absolutely. They start to really matter. They get magnified. For sure. But but I, but you need to be able to feel when when you go over stuff in the road. I want you to feel that you went over stuff in the road. I want you to feel. This is this is actually what the description is. Steering feel is as I'm turning it. I am aware that there's a mechanical linkage, and I know that sounds weird, but but and I'm sorry, this is a cliche as well. But this is where the rifle bolt concept comes in for for uh, shifters. Okay, drives like it, it's on rails. Oh, stop. But 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 the whole reality of a rifle bolt, or or think of anything mechanic mechanical or or metal that slid beside itself that you've worked with, you can feel that in good steering feel. Of course, the Lotus Elise is way up there, but finding one of those on Turo is next to impossible, but that's a possibility as well. Josiah Van Tassel, thank you for the question. He loves the show and says, is the upgrade to a 986S worth the price over the base version? Mm. More specifically on an 03 or 4S with, versus a cheaper and older version, He's owned 350Z, now daily CBR 500R, and a roommate has the S2000. You know, you could always turbo the motor or do some sort of chip tune or upgrade, mm. but there's more to the S than just that. True. Typically, I've, it's got a different transmission with another gear and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I do feel like the S has always been differentiated in in Porsche's mind as really truly the sport version. And they do, there's a bigger jump between base and S than there is S to GTS. It's slightly different. And then, you know what I mean? I feel like that base to S is needs to remain significant because that has been bread and butter kind of thinking for Porsche forever since the early, since the late sixties, actually early seventies, there's always been the S which is sort of like, Oh, Oh, we've got the S, the 911S. Aha, that's what you want. So I do feel like it's worth your money. I do feel like it's worth investigating. If you can get a good deal, if you're comfortable and, and you can pull it off, I do say it's worth it. And uh, I mean, it's 
coming from a Porsche guy. There's another question about 911s from Joel T on Facebook who says, uh, sorry, uh, Eddie Murphy, my apologies. Eddie Murphy says, when did the 911, what generation did it become the bench, benchmark for journalists? The year was 1968. <laughs> The year after the 911 came out, it became you mean instantly six, 64. But 60, anyway, <laughs> 64. Sorry, 64. So, but yes. what I say, yeah, yeah. Anyway, came out 64. 63 by 64. It was like, hmm. No, I actually, the I next year. I think when it really started to embed itself completely was probably the mid 80s, when I think other cars started to splinter, and I feel like the 911 really was solidifying itself in the U.S. with the turbo and the big whale tail. Mm -hmm. I think in that era, it got so... Because here's the other thing that happened. In the 80s, with the turbo, they became the Widowmaker, and it was like the dividing line for can you drive or not. Oh, yeah. So if you loved the 911, it was because you knew how to drive. Many journalists, not. Yeah, exactly. Still to this day, <laughs> not. But I think that started to split it and started to make people think that it was, it was even better than it really is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, oh, Boondock St. Ryan. Why are pop-up headlights on sports cars dangerous to pedestrians, but truck hoods at high eye level are not? My friend Ryan, you're, you're, my, you're now my buddy. We're, we're here, man. We're here. I have a real problem with pedestrian crash standards. I think they're ruining cars. I'm going to say it again. Look, I don't want anybody hit by a car, but stay out of the street. I, you know, and let's, it's easy. Let's create pedestrian walkways. Let's create pedestrian only streets. You can walk up and down. I, I know that in park city, I'm going to get thrown eggs thrown at me, but park city every now and then main street is pedestrians only. And every time it is, I'm like, this is all the street should be. Doesn't main that, street uh... in park city should just be pedestrians only all the time. There's no reason to have cars on that road. So let's make more yeah. pedestrian only streets. Yeah. Let's make better crosswalks. Let's make better signaling and let's make cars that can have slanted hood and pop up headlights because I'm sorry, you and I were driving some GM truck recently, and I stopped at the hood, and the hood was here. I am a big person. It's enormous. If, if it's you are so in a big. pickup line, yeah. you will not see kids. The pop-up headlights is the least of our worries. But the problem with pedestrian crash standards is they're just trying. This is this is the solve. We're trying to make air between where the hood is and where the hard engine is. And that's what's ruining front ends of cars. Yeah. Because this is the thing that's going to save us all. The truck that's mowing us down, that's fine. Because at least it's got air <laughs> between the hood. If you happen to get up on the hood, you'll be okay. What's that, uh, the new Miata concept? Or sorry, Mazda MX-9 concept that I just saw? Doesn't that have like slight pop-up headlights? I thought it was just, they're bringing back just because it's cool. I mean, we don't need pop-up headlights, but they are really cool. And it's cool for some part of the car to articulate the Pagani Wired, you know, it articulates and it's cool for something to happen. I think that sells cars. I, I think we're coming back around to this. Yeah. It's like clothing styles. It's we're, we're coming back around <laughs> to things. I'm going to run back over here to other questions from earlier. Let's see. Ted Adam green says a buddy of his just bought a 2019 Nissan 370 Z manual with rev match. Ted's saying, can we explain this? He's never had a manual with rev match. He doesn't understand why his buddy considered that a must-have. Now, the Nissan Z, actually, 
pioneered RevMatch really, really well. Mm-hmm. They had one of the first that was offered to the general public. That particular and it one works is really good. Very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the benefit of this, Ted, is it is it takes it makes a manual transmission more easy to daily. Because the frustrating thing about a manual, if if you're doing that commute kind of drone driving where you're not really thinking, is easily slotting the gear and doing the blip and that kind of stuff can be like I'm just I'm not in the groove of it. Now, I like learning the heel toe and getting good at that. And I screw it up a lot to this day. I screw up heel toe all the time. And so there is so something satisfying. Constantly. I'll tell you this on track, I actually like a manual with rev match because then it, it, I still get the manual, but it always is going to slot that gear really quickly. There's, there's an extra layer of accessibility there. Now, the, the other thing about the Z car, most of them is you can turn it off, which is really nice. And you can pick your moment when having that just easily slot is helpful. Starting to wrap up as we get to the top of the hour, back to coffee, Jordan Schieffer says, is my new gadget academia the insert car of espresso machines? I'm thinking it's it's a do-it-all car, but it's gotta be fast because I was looking for great fast espresso and it does the steam wand and the milk jug, as I told you before. It's gotta be something like the Mercedes uh, GLE 63. It's, it's fast, it can do the sports car thing. It's on, you can take it on track. You shouldn't, but you can. And it's really fast and it's versatile. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a Cayenne GTS because it can do everything. It can go off road. <laughs> oh my gosh! It can right, go high speed right. on track. We can go over dunes. We you you could do some high performance kind of driving with a Cayenne a GTS. Maybe it's the GT, the Cayenne GT, <laughs> with the the back window. Oh you know gosh. what I'm talking about. Wow. Uh, Steve, yes, we have purchased Hooked on Driving. If you haven't heard our earlier podcast, it is the company that does high-performance driving events around the nation. In fact, generally around the coasts. We're working on stuff in the middle of the country. That's one of our projects. So we are now the parent company of Hooked on Driving. Now, anywhere you go, if you've never heard of Everyday Driver, Hooked on Driving will continue as you've known it. We just have some things we want to refine. We want to make it grow further. We love that it is a company we already respected running great track days, and we want to make it grow. So it is the same company. <laughs> Your questions are making me laugh. This is great. Uh, let's see. There was a question up here, by the way, talking about uh, Anthony says, if you offered me a singerized E-type that's overall gorgeous, but it has a diesel, a CVT, and piano black, would I take it? I don't <laughs> think that's a singerized E-type. No one would pick that. Huh. No one would decide that's what we're doing. So there we go. Oh, James Drake is considering an Integra Type S as the only vehicle but lives in the St. Paul, Minneapolis area. Yes. Would we drive one in the winter or is he nuts? Yes, drive one in the in the winter. Absolutely. Redestein Wintrack Pro and you're done. They're excellent. They're so good. Uh, Zach is asking about our July or September trips. Are you asking which one? You may need to put more comments in there about which one to take. The July trip is our Utah adventure. It is some of the best roads in Utah. Honestly, two-thirds, we haven't even opened the registration yet, but two-thirds of, of every year is people that came the year before. So clearly, it's a fun drive. Mm-hmm. We, we go down uh, south of here for a full day, and then we do this great loop of some of the best roads in Utah, and every time we do them, we, we love them. That's a great trip. The September trip, also not open for registration yet, is the road, the Beartooth Highway Road. We're going to drive up there. It's going to be great through Jackson Hole, et cetera. But it's the Beartooth Highway Road that was the starring road of our best road ever video that is currently up with the Lotus and the uh, C8. So both of those are going to be awesome. They're very different trips, but uh, whichever one you can make as far as schedule is concerned, when they go live, you're going to sign up quick because I think they're going to go fast. 
We are wrapping up for this podcast. So many. Thank you guys for all your questions. If we didn't get to it, save it for the next podcast episode. We'll do our best. But please support our sponsors. They support our show and make what we do possible. Mm -hmm. And we only want the best partners and sponsors. Absolutely. So don't forget 10% off your order with the code DRIVER10 for Griot's Garage. And go to PowerStop for all your brake upgrade needs. And Battery Tender, all three of my cars and all of your cars are all on Battery Tenders. Yes. You got the, the wicked one that's I like got a, long. I got it. I didn't even know they made this. It's really cool. It's like a five it's, bank. It's a, it's a with, five bank. Yeah. That because uh, I have cars in a barn. The, the, there's a five bank, mm -hmm. and so it's one big bank in the corner with all the lights on one, and then you just have wires running off. And I can glance Brilliant. in the door and know that everybody's doing fine. It's the greatest thing. I didn't even know they made it. It's really Brilliant. cool. Brilliant. Yes, of course. Power clear wipers, and all the cars. One search. Our friends at AutoTempest.com. Don't forget them when you're searching for what's next. We really appreciate all your questions. We really appreciate your support of the show. Yeah, it's great stuff. And of Hooked on Driving, and we're going to update you with more Hooked on mm -hmm. Driving kind of stuff. And we're again, reminder, we're going to be at Laguna Seca March 9th and 10th, 2024. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to see you if you're a local to the area or even if you, you know, you're flying out and passing through. I mean, our hope is to have a lot of really cool track days. And I want to reiterate, you know, we're so excited to have this company as a new part of what we do. But this does mm -hmm. not mean we become a group that is just about take your car to the racetrack. Not I am well aware that sometimes, depending on where you live in this country, it is becoming a draconian police force that won't let you have any fun. Well, that's what the track is for in some of those areas. Yeah. We're spoiled yeah. out west. We got a lot of great roads. We get to open it up on all of these fun road trips. So there is that possibility as well. But but the reality is with modern sports cars, and especially you get really good tires, you will never find the edges of your car on a, on a public road. And if you do... Yeah it's probably reached a place where it could go very, very wrong. So that's why I like tracking so much. Remember, we are doing multiple Europe trips and we're probably at a track near you. So we're excited about that. We'll talk about that and everything else going forward. And I wish, I'm sorry that I can't, I wish I could tell you some of the shoots we have coming up because I was looking at the calendar today and wanting it to be summer so badly because we've got these great I mean, shoots coming. Winter's cool. It's fun to drive in yes, the winter. But right, but right now we're in this little like... <laughs> yeah gasp a kind of a black hole of i want to shoot something really cool and it's snowing outside no. and i'm like oh summer needs to come it's coming yeah <laughs> thank you all for your support yeah, we really appreciate it and cheers everyone <laughs> <laughs>